This is Bobby Gray, and it's time to mount up because we're chasing strays. Well, it is time. It is that time of the year again. We are getting ready for wheat pasture, putting on anhydrous, and getting ready to go back to school. I'll start Monday at, uh, at college and I'm not too happy about it, but I know I need to uh, just to get a little bit of knowledge under my belt. And I'm not going as a full-time student. I'll be a part-time student. I'm just going and taking some basic ag classes, uh, intro to animal science, intro to plant and soil science, and uh, intro to ag econ is be all I'm taking. I don't I don't care much to get a degree. I know my parents kind of didn't necessarily push it, but they, they wanted me to get something. And uh, I never enjoyed the classroom, never enjoyed really school. And I'll tell you how much I didn't care much for school. There's one day we had a stretch of fence. It's about a quarter mile. And it just wasn't doing too good. And uh, we really needed to fix it, but we didn't want to replace the whole thing because the posts and the wire were still good. It's just on a place we bought, the corners weren't very good, and the uh, fence line was getting pretty rough. There were some trees in it, and it had kind of, kind of on a hillside to where it had kind of washed a little bit and needed a little bit of attention. So we went and took it out and did some dirt work, but I played hooky from school one day so we could redo that fence. Uh, on my dad to let me do that and that's how much I don't care for school but I think once I get once I get up there and get the uh, get in the classroom and get to learning what I want to learn instead of math and science and English uh, it'll be a little more interesting for me and I might not might not push back so hard but like I say I fought my parents on me going to college. I wanted to just stay and put my head down and go and learn from my dad and neighbors and some other mentors that I have and just do it that way. But my parents said, you're gonna go do something. And they said, if I didn't make my mind up, they was gonna send me to college and uh, they was gonna send me full time. And, that's how it was going to be. They didn't care. But we finally came to a compromise. And what I'm going to do is a year here at NOC, taking some basic ag classes, driving back and forth every day, which won't be too bad. Uh, it'll put a lot of miles on, but I think I'll, I'll make it out all right. And then I'm going to, the following year, well, I guess next year at this time, I will be attending the TCU Ranch Management Program. And I really, I'm really excited to go through that deal. Uh, there's a lot of good people came out of that deal, a lot of good jobs. And the uh, teachers there aren't even, uh, aren't even professors. They're really uh, cattlemen that have been around the program that have basically been asked to come teach and it's it's a pretty damn good little program and I'm really excited. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I don't know 
I don't know what they'll think about it. If I say too much, I'm not gonna get me or them in trouble. But I, like I say, I'm really excited. Us, I, I applied because we. I was pushing real hard on me just going this year. So I applied for the program, sent in my little application, and went down there for the interview and got to talk to talk to the guy and uh, learned learn a lot about the program and uh, decided that I needed to wait a year. And that that was a hard decision for me to stomach, but with me really not wanting to go to school, but I think it'll be the uh, best thing for me uh, I really think with me getting getting these basic ag classes under my belt and learning a few more things and also me getting just a little more experience around here under my belt so that way I kind of know what to look for uh, while I'm there and uh, maybe a few different questions that I would ask that I wouldn't ask otherwise and just little things like that and maybe be able to pick up on a few new things that could, could really help me and maybe even bring home and help our operation. I know my dad, there's certain things that they said that we would do and my dad was really excited and he said, you're gonna do this and base it off of our operation and I wanna see what you come up with with their help, having some outside eyes coming in and maybe we can change a few things and, uh, be a little more productive and uh, maybe not necessarily turn out a better product or make more money but just be be more efficient maybe not maybe not make the calves a little bit worth a little bit more money but uh, maybe cut some costs and uh, just just increase our overall efficiency that's a big thing we've been pushing for so I'm kind of excited to do that, and I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to these college classes, and I, I think they'll help me, and I'm, uh, I'm really hoping for the best, so. Alrighty, so moving around some calves today, I'm taking these calves here that were at the, at the house, and taking them over to a new pasture, it's a grass pasture with an adjoining wheat field and they got a permanent fence between them and they will be out in that grass for just a couple of days and then we're going to take them and put them out on that crabgrass there in that wheat field we put in hydras on it yesterday and knocked some of the straw stubble out of it and uh, getting it ready for planting wheat and there's quite a bit of crabgrass out there more than what we thought and we're going to turn these calves out there and uh, let them pick on that crabgrass and uh, if we get a couple of rains that crabgrass will really come back before we can get wheat planted on it so like if we get a couple of rains and uh, can't get out and get planted well we know we can uh, just leave them out there for a couple extra days and let them let them pick it off and that'll also give our grass pastures a little bit of a break from the uh, from the grazing where they'll be able to put on a little bit of cover for the winter time and it'll all work out pretty good so that's 
that's kind of what I'm working on today and then got to go get back on the tractor and get back to putting on anhydrous so we can get done with that here in a few days and just kind of cowboy by morning and farmer by night I guess so I'll be sure to put out one of my jam sessions there in the tractor I'll, I'll video it put it on Facebook for y'all I, I get pretty tired and pretty uh, just bleh sitting there in the tractor and uh, I tend to crank on the uh, rap music and some country music and just a little bit of everything kind of keep me going and most of all keep me awake just sitting there going back and forth it can it can really wear you down I guess not necessarily wear you down but uh, get boring and be pretty be pretty monotonous not a whole lot that you can do just sitting there looking back and, okay everything's working look forward make sure everything's working look back make sure everything's working you feel like you're going to twist your head off doing that sometimes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth but oh well that's how we roll around here I guess like a bunch of dogs chasing our damn tails okay so one benefit to this whole farming deal is the deer hunting it really does uh, significantly increase the deer with the corn and the deer really obviously flock to the corn and uh, I'm sitting here putting on gas getting ready for a week pasture and there's a waterway running through the middle of this pasture there's a bottom and there's a top and up top we didn't plant any corn, but down that bottom we did. And there's a waterway with a bunch of wheatgrass, and it's got some Johnson grass, and just a few other things in it. Just kind of a mixture. And sometimes we'll turn calves out on it. And sometimes, I know we bailed it once or twice, and it's just a little fucking rough to bail. So we normally just turn calves out on it. And it's about four or five foot tall, I bet just from sitting up here in the tractor looking at the deer but I jumped up two bucks on my first go around and one was on my hit list last year he was he's a goofy buck he's really cool he's more I mean you wouldn't shoot him because he'd just be fucking a big rack or nothing like that but uh he was one that you shot because he was cool, but he's also a management duck. And his old main beams just kind of went straight up out of his head and broke forward. And all of his tines kind of grew to, I mean, they didn't like intertwine and grow together, but they grew and were just kind of like made a straight up basket. And he was really cool. He was all gnarly, had a bunch of kickers. And I'm about 90% sure one of them bucks I jumped up was him. 
And I can't say for sure because I never saw him in person. I only saw pictures of him. But uh, if that was him, that's pretty good because he's gotten bigger. Either that or he's got a big brother or we finally found his dad. Because uh, he, I mean, he's an awful lot bigger. And I thought I saw some kickers, but I could really just see a little bit of their heads and their racks, which I know that's all I need to see, but I didn't get to see them for very long because they went right into the corner. But I, I sure do like the deer hunt. So if I, if I disappear, it just happens to be deer season. You know, that's, that's where I'll be at, sitting in a deer stand or sitting on a hill. Here about four years ago, I shot a 192-inch whitetail just about a mile as the crow flies southwest of me. And he was a hell of a buck. Several people have been hunting that deer, and I got lucky as hell. The one problem with that story is I made a bad shot. I shot him a little back. And I didn't find him for three days. And my dad didn't believe that that was the buck I'd shot until we pulled, uh, or actually the guy that we hunt with, we put, he pulled his trail cam photos and I told him he came from the north. Well, he's got a bow stand from the north uh, where I was sitting. And he's got pictures of that buck five, ten minutes before I shot him. And my dad was like, oh shit. And we went and found him. And it was a, it was a damn good moment for me. Once we found that buck. I slept that night, finally. But, golly, that was a, that was a once-in-a-lifetime buck. There's times I wished I'd never shot him, if I'm being honest. And most of the that's when I'm sitting in the deer stand looking at a 140 or 150 inch buck, maybe a four year old. And I can't bring myself to shooting. I mean, they're really cool. Last year I passed up a cake of 140 inch. And two years before that, no, three years before that, I passed up a huge bodied eight point. I mean, I bet this deer was going to weigh every bit of 260. I mean, he was just a massive body deer. And normally we don't get those around here. He wasn't great big rack. He'd have probably scored 130, 135 at the most. Oh shit. There's fucking two deer in the wheat field on the other side of that cornfield. Way out there. I can barely see them. Either that or they're weeds that I missed every time I look. But anyways, uh, that kind of sucked. But it has also made me a better, more picky deer hunter. Now, I have screwed up. Two years ago, I shot a damn eight point early in the morning because the day before, I'd seen a monster eight point and I didn't get a chance to shoot him. I saw him for about 30 seconds. And I was in a tree stand, and he walked right under my damn tree stand. And uh, I couldn't get to my gun. 
good little spot to hunt because they were moving through there quite a bit and that next morning I went by because he was chasing a doe and I'd seen kind of where he went to better and then it got dark I didn't get a chance to go stalk him because I was going to have my dad come scout for me and he was on the way so that way I could get out and lay down or kind of belly crawl over to him. He's only a couple hundred yards away and I seen an eight point buck uh, step up out there and it was kind of early. It was shooting light, but it uh, it wasn't, it wasn't all the way light. And I looked at him through my binoculars and I, he was kind of down in the creek bottom with some trees. So that made it just a nickel darker. But I saw that silhouette, I saw eight points, and I was almost positive it was him. So I pulled the trigger, and I got up there, and I was sick of the damn dog. When I seen that little buck, I'd killed, and he'd have been a damn nice buck. But overall, it has made me a better deer hunter, and it's made me a little more picky. And instead of trying to shoot a buck every year, I just try and see what I can see what all I can do and see if I can stalk him better. And, I mean, last year I seen a he just little basket rack eight. Well, he wasn't a basket rack eight. He was, a, he was probably a three-year-old eight point. I seen him bed a doe down in the bottom. And I was able to get within 10 yards stalking him. Uh, I, was pretty, I was pretty proud of that. But last year was a weird year. Uh, the night before rifle season, I mean, literally, it was Friday night. Oh shit, there's another deer. Another doe. Golly, they're all over this morning. Which is to be expected. But, anyways, I, uh, the night before rifle season, I was sitting out scouting, and I was literally just sitting on a hill in the bed of my pickup, sitting on a toolbox with my binoculars and a spotting scope kind of looking over all the country just getting kind of a final decision on where I was going to hunt especially for the next day maybe not the whole year but normally I try and pick one or two spots and I'll just hunt them spots all year where number one I'm not all over the place hunting and number two I mean maybe yeah I can go to a different stand and catch different deer moving but I'll I'll have the deer that I see pattern a little better to where I know if there's a doe that comes through that I know exactly where she's going to go if there's a buck falling or something like that. But the night before rifle season, they were rutting hard that whole week before rifle season. And I knew it was going to cut out kind of when rifle season started. It normally does around here. And every once in a while we'll catch a hot snap and they'll wait until rifle season to rut. But this, I mean, last year they really didn't. But it was kind of warm that day before rifle season. That evening I was sitting there in jeans and a shirt and I was kind of warm. But this big old 160 inch buck, every bit of 160 inch buck, come out, oh, 110 yards from me. 
and I didn't, I don't normally bow hunt. I got a, I got a crossbow here a couple years ago for Christmas, and I didn't end up really using it much last year. I just went out a couple of times, but I wasn't bow hunting or nothing that night. It was too damn hot, and came out right below me, and I, uh, I don't know that we have pictures of that buck. I'm damn near positive we didn't. But a neighbor shot him. I'm almost positive it was him. But come out that Friday night, and I've never seen him again the rest of the season. I hunted that spot. I hunted down in the, in the creek bottom where he had a damn scrape down there. I found that one. One day I kind of went peeking around in that bottom and I decided to hunt down there and I found a damn scrape and I'm almost positive it had to be him. But it was it was damn sure a cool deal to see that deer even though the neighbor shot him. I sure enjoyed watching them slowing down versus just when you see them shooting them. And that's kind of how I was before that. I didn't shoot a whole bunch of deer but if I saw a knife buck I'd just get a shot on him as soon as I could. And now I'm more off to more keen on slowing down especially after that deer that i screwed up on but i sure do enjoy that, that deer hunting and whatnot i enjoy sitting and watching them and you can see a bunch of cool stuff and i'm really looking forward to this year uh, i've seen a lot of deer riding through cattle early in the mornings and little things like that it's been a really good year and seen a lot of fawns, a hell of a lot of fawns. So here in a couple of years, we'll have a hell of a little crop. They won't be ready to harvest or shoot yet, but they'll, I mean, it'll damn sure put a big slug of deer in the, in the herd because we've had kind of a short herd the past few years due to drought. They've been recovering, but I think finally they got all the conditions right. Hopefully we'll have a bunch of four-year-olds this year and here in a, and then a whole bunch of fawns, and next year we'll have a bunch of two-and-a-half-year-olds and, and five-year-olds. I think it'll be a few years of pretty good deer hunting. I'm, I'm really excited. Okay, so I'm going to start a new segment here on the show, and it's going to be called Betham. It's going to be where we pick somebody and we go all Beth Dutton on them and just fuck with their head and scare the shit out of them because we're so fucking crazy. And they can't take it. And they look over their shoulder the rest of their lives for whoever we choose. Because they're gonna, they're afraid they're gonna fuck them up. And I'm gonna do this once a week, probably on Fridays. And it's just going to be kind of a fun deal. Y'all can send me suggestions of who to use, who to do it to, and whatnot. And right now, since it's kind of a hot topic with the Democratic debates, we're going to use old Bernie Sanders. Feel the burn, the burning Robin Hood, steal from the rich and give to the poor. Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump is going to be the one to Bethel. So it's going to take place. Old Donald Trump 
and Bernie Sanders are going to see each other at a bar. A nice bar for politicians. And, uh, we're going to be drinking. We're going to sit down next to each other. Just to, I mean, because obviously they're political rivals, but they're going to drink and they're going to be civil men. They're sitting there. And Donald Trump leans over to Bernie and says, here's what's going to happen when I'm the president in 2020. Bernie's like, oh yeah? What's going to fucking happen? Donald Trump's going to give him the old eyeballs closed, pursed lips, like he's a first grader getting his first kiss from his sweetheart. Stink eye. And then he's going to go into how he's going to dissolve all the unions and make all the union workers fend for themselves. And he's going to dissolve the health care for all. He's going to lower the taxes for the rich or the top 10% in the middle class and he's going to tax the lower class as hard as he can. And make it so that none of the lower class can live in America and it's a place of upper class people. And then he's going to tell them he's going to build the wall so high that it'll be able to stop storms coming from or to Mexico because he doesn't want anything from Mexico unless he gets a hell of a trade deal. Because that's just how he rolls, motherfucker. And Bernie's gonna be over there, waving his hands around like he's throwing voodoo at people. Fucking so old, he's about to have a heart attack. Face is beat red, he's sweating, freaking out like, what about the children? And Donald Trump goes, I'm deporting every Mexican, Iraqi, and whatever the hell they are ins that I don't like. And this is really sending Bernie over the edge. He's fucking losing his mind. His hair's standing up. He's pulling what little hair out he's got. And then Donald Trump does the most patriotic fucking thing that anybody can do. He pulls out his phone and he says, I'm going to pass a law that this video will be played on every TV station, every phone, every radio station, every podcast, every everything. Anything that can play music or video or whatever. This will be played every day at noon. And he shows Bernie Sanders. And what it is, is a video, the most patriotic video in the world. United States patriotic video in the world. Of Ted Nugent in an American flag speedo. If Ted Nugent had his Ted Nugent boots, the NRA logo, and Made in the USA body painted onto his chest, playing an American flag guitar, fucking wailing the national anthem on an electric guitar. And when I say wailing, I mean somebody, somebody questioned him being a USA citizen 
That's how hard he's wailing on this guitar to show how proud and patriotic he is of the United States of America. And in the background, there's gonna be gunfire and fireworks and the American flag waving. And just, just as Bernie Sanders is about to roll over and die of a heart attack, because he's fucking old, Donald Trump's gonna lean down and whisper in his ear, the Russian collusion was real, bitch. And that will be the knife in the back. Bernie Sanders' eyes will open wide, he'll gasp for air, and collapse fucking dead on the floor. Nothing he can do about it. Donald Trump didn't physically touch him. Nothing. He bested him. He fucked with his mind so bad and got him so riled up, he fucking died right there. Okay, so that was a little bit different show and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, maybe maybe a little break from our normal normal routine. I know that can always be good, but uh, everybody have a good weekend. Stay safe. Don't do something stupid. Uh, share this around. For sure, share it around. Let me know what you think. Um, and with that, go follow the Facebook page, uh, Chasing Strays. Uh, I'm on Open Range, Chasing Strays. Uh, follow me personally on Facebook, Bobby Gray. Uh, Instagram Bobby Gray thirty three thirty four. Uh, I haven't been on. I'm really not on Instagram all that much. So if you follow me and it takes me a few days to uh, accept your request and follow you back, uh, that's why. But um, other than that, keep it up and mount up because we're chasing strays. <laughs>